0: Hi, this is Hope. This is Chris. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me FM Radio. Congratulations, Matt. On what, Doug? You have officially become an adult. You have your own house. <laughs> yes, that's right. The saga can, has
1: ended. You can support your family and the house and... <laughs> Yeah, it's not really our own. We rented still, but oh, well. but we don't live in your grandmother's house anymore. That's, <laughs> that's a step up. Uh, yeah, that that's good. We don't need to spend too much time on my living situation, but uh, <laughs> but yes, things will be returning to normal. Hopefully, getting back to two episodes a week. I think we can get back to that. I would like to. We've got a lot of guests kind of in the works. Yeah, so I think it's reasonable. Cool, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll ease back into things. Still dealing with a little bit of allergy stuff that seems to be the fallout from living in nine different houses. In three months, but uh, that's okay. Hopefully that'll get resolved quickly soon as well. Anyway, today we're talking about running, which is fun because we haven't really done that much about running recently. We've just focused, it seems, a lot this summer on food and vegan stuff. Uh, yep. Although last, or two episodes ago we did do the running resources episode. Which people liked, I think. Good. So we're talking about getting faster today, which is uh, inspired by a few things. First of all, one, a coaching call that you did. For yep. those who don't know, Doug is an award-winning running coach. <laughs> is that fair to say? I don't know. Maybe if you've given me an award. I, I mean, there's awards all over the place now. Yeah. Like, the internet has yeah. made the awards meaningless. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, actually, the, this idea came from a call that I did uh, just yesterday um, with someone who was, is fairly new to running. He's been running for about two months, and he, he said that he runs about 8K five times a week, around the same pace every run. Um, and he was wondering why he's not getting faster. And I think that's a really common question for new runners. They go out and run the same workout day after day, and they wonder why they're not getting any stronger. So that kind of inspired this in part, and also because you've been doing a series on it.
1: Yeah, I've been doing this uh, 100 Minutes Faster series for the Nomade Athlete Academy, and we also gave it away as a bonus for the marathon roadmap last week or two weeks ago. Uh, and that's about the... Kind of my own, it, the name of it comes from that I took 103 minutes off of my marathon time, my first marathon time in order to qualify for Boston. And it wasn't immediate, that took seven years, that process. But <laughs> uh, it's, it, you know, when I think back about what that was, and this is really a lot of my book is kind of written in this framework. And so is uh, the, the talk that I typically give at, at events, uh, that it, it breaks down into mindset. Running and training, and then diet, and those are the three really big pieces of that puzzle. And each one, of course, is detailed, and I have an hour-long webinar about each one. Right. Um. But anyway, because I've been doing that, I've been thinking about this whole idea: how do you get faster? And uh, that'll be good. It'd be good to talk about all that stuff here. Yeah, I think we're going to focus mostly on the running and training
0: part. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, I and mean, we can mention the other stuff a little bit, but yeah. uh, for this, for the purposes of this episode, we'll stick to the running. Um. Before we do, though, a couple of quick announcements. First of all, we're going to be in Runners World at Runners World. Yep, in the Runners World. Oh, <laughs> uh, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. When is that? That's about it's a week and a week A, a week from, from today. Really? Yeah, yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. Uh, so week? we'll be there beginning. Like, I think that's Thursday.
0: The races are Friday, Saturday, okay. and Sunday. Um, and I don't know the dates there, but October. <laughs> 15th, 16th,
1: and 17th? No, like that. I think it's 16th, 17th, 18th. Okay. Because, fun fact, my anniversary is the 19th, oh, and the Runners Great. Road event has coincided with it in the past, but doesn't this year. So, yeah, so that'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. That'll be fun. Uh, if you want to come last minute, if you're local, I don't expect anyone to, to fly in last minute, but if, if, uh, if you're inspired to do that, go for it. Uh, we'll be there. You can use the code blog, No meet Athlete. When you sign up for any of those race distances, they have a trail race now. And then I think you just said 5K, 10K, half marathon. Yep. Um, so the code is good for any of those races, and we'll get you some percent off of any of them or any combination of them as well. You can, you can sign up and do that. You know. We're going to run all four. I'm not. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> I might. I don't know. I, my running has been atrocious the past few months. He's going to run all four, guys. We'll see. Just we'll see what happens. See. He's gonna, if I have to drag him. We'll see what Cross happens. that
0: starting line is, but anyway
1: if you uh, if you'd like to come meet us, come hang out we'll be there. Uh, you could probably find us in the casino if it's your <laughs> uh, typical event hours okay, so that's one announcement, and number two is that the holistic holiday at sea cruise, also known as the vegan cruise, which Aaron and I went on last year we 've done a few podcast episodes kind of about the cruise. Had Aaron on to talk about her weight loss that was inspired by the talk she saw by Chef AJ as well as some talks about oil not being a health food by uh, Dr. Campbell, Dr. Esselstyn, Dr. Greger. Uh, that's the cruise where all that went down. So that's happening again to the Caribbean again to a different part of the Caribbean though this time. Uh, but the price goes up tomorrow, which is Friday, October 9th. So if you want to come, I think by, by the end of the day tomorrow, you've got to register to get the early bird price. So... Check it out. It's at atasteofhealth.org. Uh, you could also just Google hol- Holistic Holiday at Sea Cruise and you'll find it. Uh, but if you do and you mention no-meat athlete or Matt Frazier when you sign up, you will get $50 in onboard credits, Cha-ching. which is good for pina coladas. And I don't think you can use it for gambling, but maybe. <laughs> That's where I'll be. That's where you'll find me. Um, at, the, at the casino. <laughs> yeah, Actually, that was where you would find me. Last <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so that that all is really fun, great event, uh, really kind of changed really what we do. I mean, it got us to stop eating oil at home, so it really made it a big change. A lot of people view that cruise as like a reset that happens at the end of the winter, which is really nice. It, it was exactly that. It was not only fun, like all the typical cruise stuff you would expect with, with good food and trips and beaches and islands and drinks and all that, but also – and drinks are optional, of course. <laughs> uh, if you want it to be full-on health reset, you probably shouldn't do the drinks part of it. But it just was a really nice way to kind of think about health for a whole week and eat healthy food for a whole week and just, you know, be healthy. So,
0: yeah. Anyway. I, I was very jealous of your tri- cruise last year, and I don't think we're going to be able to go this year, but I am. You'll be jealous again. I'll be jealous again. <laughs> so it's anyway, like
1: uh, tasteofhealth.org. Mention No Meat Athlete or Matt Fraser. Uh And by the way, that deal is only if you, if that $50 thing is only if it's your first cruise, so you can't cash in again. Ah, tricky. It is tricky. They're out to get you they're not (laughs) they're nice people okay um so let's get to our running faster thing yeah sounds great okay so let's let's hear about this uh coaching call because when you mentioned this immediately to me bells went off was like and i think it's very very common that people do this right They, they go out they run the same speed every day and wonder why they're not getting faster and i'm not not making fun of that or saying that's that's you know dumb it's, no, it's not at all. It's just I mean, what you, I mean, when, that's how things right. are. People when, go, you go out and practice golf and you just go golf, right? Right. When, you, when you're unfamiliar with training
0: plans and workouts and all that stuff, you know, you think of a run as just going out for a run and, and you feel like usually you're pushing yourself a little bit um, and, and going at a, a distance that seems manageable that you can sustain that, that push for. And then that's it. And then every day you kind of go out and do the same thing. Oftentimes you're doing even the same loop. Yes. Um, and and because of that, a lot of new runners don't see the gains that they could uh, by mixing it up, by adding in workouts, by adding in slower runs, um, and different different types of yes of routes and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So, I this for me goes back to when we ran as a kid. When when we had to run as kids, and I say had to because that's usually what it was. If you had to run, is when at least for me, that's when I ran. It was gym class or uh, sports teams, Maybe chasing like, chasing ball. If chasing, yeah, I guess that too. I mean, anything. Anytime we ran when we were younger, it was you. You would run so that when you were done running, you would you would be exhausted, right? Right. You would run as fast as you could for that distance, Mm -hmm. and that's what you would do. Uh, There weren't there wasn't a whole lot of structure to a training program, and no one was doing training programs. Right? We were just running, right? So we kind of learned to pace ourselves according to what we had to do, and that's what we that's what we would run. That's the speed we would run. So it turns out that that's not the best way to, to get faster um, for a few reasons. Like, first of all, there is what you mentioned, just changing it up, doing different things. That's muscle confusion, right? That's what uh, P90X is built on. <laughs> so, you, of course, adding variety is going to help you. But I think more than that, there's something a little bit deeper here, and that's that it's not just that people are running the same workout all the time. It's that they're doing a workout that doesn't really do anything for you, right? right. It it does very, It doesn't. Uh, stress your body to the point where it's going to require much adaptation because it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. It's just like you know you go out for an eight k run and you you do it so that it's sort of difficult, but you get home right when it's getting difficult, right. and then you're not that uncomfortable.
0: And it's also too fast for the endurance building, you know. You're, right. Yeah.
1: Doesn't doesn't like let you recover first of all from any other workout. Right. Uh, it's a pace where if you do it every day, I mean, not that you're going to necessarily get injured, but it doesn't have the benefits. I don't think so. Of of going much much slower, slower mm-hmm. than it feels like you should go when you say I'm going on for a slow run, right. really extremely slow. And if you wear a heart rate monitor ever, uh, and depending on what formula you use, it's going to you know change what your actual heart rate is that you're shooting for. But if you're in the 65 to 70 percent of max heart rate range, uh, that's that's going to feel really slow if you haven't run like that before. Sure. And that, this is that conversational pace where you can carry on a conversation while you're running. That's I mean I think almost all of your workouts really should be in one of those two places they should be hard to the point where mm-hmm. you are pushing yourself you really do want to stop because it's it's painful and uncomfortable mm-hmm. painful is probably not the right word it's uncomfortable um or it should be really easy right so that you can recover from that and kind of work on that aerobic base right. without without really you know doing much damage to your body or um stressing yourself to the point where you know you're day after day you're stressing yourself to the point where you're not able to recover mm-hmm. for the next workout yeah,
0: for endurance runners, most of the majority of their runs should probably be in that aerobic. Yeah, under my philosophy, and you know, maybe not the run less, run faster model yeah. that, we, that we'll probably touch on a little bit. But you know, I, I believe that the majority of your runs should be in that aerobic base, uh, you know, base building zone. So, and I think
1: almost everyone does. I mean, right, yeah. run less, run faster it was radical in that they didn't. And if you look at like any kind of running forums, you'll find people just hating that program, hating that that anyone would dare to make you know do running without right. the easy runs um you know but that that kind that
0: model is getting faster with the crossfit endurance and that's true like that.
1: That, that is kind of you're right that's becoming a bigger thing but like matt fitzgerald you know kind of a classic older school he's not old school but his his approach i think isn't crossfit endurance it's yeah. more typical running uh, yeah. so he has a book called 80 20 running i think it's called and the idea there has nothing to do with that pareto principle that uh tim ferris has made famous with 80 20 but uh, 80% of your runs should be at this slow aerobic pace and 20% should be workouts that are stressful for your body and then that, that those easy workouts help you adapt.
0: Right. To. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh yeah, so I mean that's that's the philosophy that I agree with. It's the one that that really that I made all my gains during that period when I was trying to qualify for Boston. Uh that's that's what I was doing. Running those those tough workouts, you know, 2-3 times a week, generally pretty short compared to the amount of time that I was just out there logging the easy miles and, and making sure that those easy miles were really, really easy. That's the crucial part. If you do them too quickly, it kind of destroys the whole thing. Right. Uh, because it, it just doesn't allow you to, to recover the way you should in mm-hmm. between those workouts. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate that the way most people naturally learn to run when they're starting to run for for exercise is kind of in this gray zone, right? That that doesn't really do anything for right. you. Yes. And that's
1: the term junk miles has a couple different meanings, but mm-hmm. that's when I think of junk miles, that's what I think of. There's mileage that Really is kind of near your race pace for that distance it's like it's what you can handle for right. that distance it's not really any any harder than like you know it's not beyond what you can handle, which you know i don't I don't mean that beyond what you can handle like you shouldn't have a heart attack while you're out there, but like it's, it's not going to wipe you out right normally. right yeah. uh and it's not slow enough to to really let you recover as we've said a lot of times now uh but yeah so that, that i think that I think that is junk mileage and there like there's a reason to do race pace workouts now and then mm-hmm. uh, as we'll talk about maybe later I think. Doing your long runs, once you've got a marathon or two under your belt, talking about marathon training, um, I think there's a benefit to, to improving increasing the speed of those long runs up to the point of close to race pace. Mm-hmm. You can't do it very often because it's just going to take too much out of you. But uh, I think that's one difference from you know my beginner training programs to when I started getting faster, was yeah. doing those long runs at a faster pace. So I mean, there is a place for, for workouts that are near your race pace, but I think right. it's pretty rare compared to everything else. Most like... of the time, you're in this kind of either really high intensity or, or extremely low intensity. And it's alternating for the most part. I mean, you can, you, can have it, you can do it where you only have two tough workouts a week and everything else is easy. In that case, it's not alternating. But if you do like three tough workouts a week, which is what I ended up doing, um, that's, you, know, you pretty much are strictly alternating. Right, right.
0: Yeah, I like to recommend, especially for, for people who it's not their first marathon, is, is uh, doing your last quarter of your long runs at race pace. Especially when you're getting into those higher mileage long runs, when you're above 15 miles and mm-hmm. and beyond, doing that. Last I think that's quarter... good. Jason
1: Fitzgerald talks about that a lot. Oh, yeah. That's the progressive one, right? Is that the idea of that one? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's also kind of where you kind of gradually right, push push right. Push your pace. Do but you're talking about just and stuff. Yeah, so but you're talking but about just... I'm talking
0: about just switching from you know really slow long run pace, conversational pace to to your race pace for the last quarter.
1: Yeah, and I think you you said it, that it's you recommend that for people who have already done a marathon, but that's an important distinction to make as well. Right. Uh, if it is your first time training for a marathon, and this goes for a half marathon as well, you shouldn't probably be doing that sort of thing. Like the long run is going to be your toughest workout of the week. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing. When you're ramping up to run a marathon, people get injured a lot, unfortunately. It's just what happens because that's – if you're going from always running three miles or four miles or even less to in the period of 18 weeks, suddenly every Saturday you're doing – 14, 16, 18, 20 miles. Right, that's going to be your hardest workout of the week. And to try to make it any harder by making it faster, to have a, a pace goal at all, honestly, for your marathon, I think is a mistake mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. So, what what people typically suggest is take those long runs like a one to two minutes, probably you know, ninety seconds is maybe a good average in there um, per mile slower than what you think you could run that distance on a day or what your race pace is going to be right so that it's by the end of it you're still going to be tired i mean it's not it's not just that going slow is going to make it you can run forever you'll get to the point where everything just kind of starts to hurt even if it's not your lungs yeah uh so it's going to be plenty hard but yeah. we're mean, talking if about if you never you're...
0: if you've never run 17 18 miles before that that's that's hard you know? yeah <laughs> that is the workout you don't yeah. need to add any right.
1: speed to that uh, but what we're, ta- what we're talking about is if you have done at least one or two and you can, you know that you're not going to – not know, but you're pretty sure that you're not going to get injured because you you know you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you start thinking about that sort of stuff. So,
0: so I'm curious. When you ran your very first marathon, were you following a training plan?
1: Uh, I was following the, the free Hal Higdon plan, which uh-huh. seems like everyone follows for the first marathon. <laughs> yeah, just, they just Google marathon training plan and they find that. Um, yeah, and it was okay. I mean it, it worked. I got a little bit bored because – what at least the way I was doing it, everything was the same. All the distances, I mean, all the paces were the same. So you, there were no workouts and stuff in that. I don't think there were. He might have had like optional speed work days and all that, but I was just running mileage. Yep. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea really what you know what what running entailed. I wasn't. My friends and I were not runners when we decided to do this, uh, so we didn't know. I, I was doing all the workouts way too fast, really, because I was you know I, I from that beginning I was focused on qualifying for Boston, and I, I mean. <laughs> As evidenced by the first time, instead of a three ten, I ran a four fifty three, and uh, just you know, had no idea what I was doing. So I
0: think I-, I think my favorite part of the whole your whole Boston story is when you are when you like lined up in Corral one or two with <laughs> nice. like all the all the really fast people
1: and yeah. you're wearing like basketball shorts or something like that and we were so out of place yeah it was like that it was funny that it wasn't until then that we that it hit us that we were out of place like we had to fly all the way out to san diego go to the expo do all this stuff and then only right then a few seconds before the race (laughs) did we realize like this is not going to happen (laughs) so anyway um and by the way i called that time embarrassingly slow in an email a few weeks ago about in the marathon roadmap launch and we got a few people complaining saying that you know their their marathons were five hours and they were really proud of them and I shouldn't be calling that. Um, I apologize for that. <laughs> I mean,
0: the, well, you know, I think what you meant was that it was embarrassingly slow for what you were expecting, right?
1: For and and the next line of the email said that I had bet friends money that I was going to qualify for Boston, so that was embarrassing to to yeah. miss that by 103 minutes and lose the bet by that much. That was embarrassing for me. I'm not not trying to generalize and say that that is an embarrassing time for someone to run in a marathon. No, in my situation that was embarrassing. Um, but who knows? So anyway, I apologize if that offended anybody. I did not mean it to be that way. What a jerk. I know. Anyway, um, let's see. So we talked about workouts though. We've mentioned this general framework of alternating hard workouts with easy workouts. Even if it's not alternating, you can just do two hard workouts a week. If that's what you, you could do one a week, if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but for someone who is new to this, what would you, the running coach suggest as a what types of workouts would we be doing on these workout days?
0: Yeah, I think that the easiest for new beginners who are maybe aren't comfortable getting out on a track and doing speed intervals, which I think are really important for anyone who really wants to get faster. You know, I think you have to go out on the track. You have to do 400, 800, 1600 meter intervals. But if you're just flirting with the idea of of doing some speed work, um, the easiest and the 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 least intimidating is a fartlek run, I think, mm-hmm. uh, which a fartlek run, fartlek means speed play in German, and that's kind of what you're doing is you're playing around with the speed. You're, you're, is it German? I'm almost positive it's German. Okay. I hope so. I don't that's know why, but I thought, I, I thought it was written different. Written them many times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's
1: embarrassing if it's not, but we should look that up. Um, I would have thought it was Swedish or Finnish or something. Is Finnish language? I don't know. <laughs>
0: Um, but anyway, regardless of what language it is, you're, you're playing around with your speed. So you're in unset intervals, so you can do some really hard sprints. So say you're going out for a five mile run, you can add in some really hard sprints followed by a slow jog for a few minutes and then a tempo run for half a mile. And then, you know, slow it down a little bit more and you're kind of flirting with different speeds and different distances. Um, and you can play around with it. So you could say, I'm going to. Do a tempo run till, you know, the the end of this road before I take a right or something like that, or I'm gonna sprint until the third red car drives past me, um, and kind of play around with all kinds of different things. So there there is fart like workouts that are much more structured than that, mm-hmm. but um, as you're just beginning, that's a really approachable way to do it, I think. And then you're kind of fluctuating within the different speeds there.
1: The same- I like, I've never really done that, but I like that idea, and I think there are certain people for whom that would be perfect, just because it's. Not, like you said, it, it's not – there's no, There's very little uh, – it's just unstructured. I mean, it's easy to easy to do. You don't have to memorize any kind of workout. Right. Uh, I do think though – like I've never really done that kind of thing mainly because I've always – if I started doing that, I'd be wondering, am I doing this wrong? Like am I even doing anything <laughs> that's, that's valuable? And yes, it is valuable because if you've never done that kind of stuff before, uh-huh. then just doing it a few times is valuable. Uh, but a, I mean, a more structured alternative that's still very easy is out of every five-minute period that you're running, once you've done like a five-minute just kind of light jog to warm up – Take thirty seconds or a minute, whichever you prefer, mm-hmm. and just run hard during that amount. Just just right. run hard enough so that right at the end of that, you will be pretty tired. Mm-hmm. And then and then wait, you know, however long till the five minutes is up, or three minutes or four minutes is up, whatever. Just pick something like that, um, and then you'll know if it's if you're doing it too fast when you're not recovering in time for the next one. This is particularly easy to see if you're going to wear a heart rate monitor and just see if your heart rate gets back to that below 70% zone in between the two. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if it doesn't, then then either your workout is done and that's a sign to stop or it just might be too hard if it worked out. So this is getting more complicated as we talk. (laughs) But anyway, uh, I think think just taking 30 seconds to a minute, even a minute and a half if you want, Mm -hmm. of appropriate pace running that will let you finish that amount of time feeling pretty tired like you just did something difficult – but still, letting you recover in time for the next one of those. Right. That was a really simple way, and that's kind of how I got started with that sort of interval training, and that worked well. And you don't need a track for that; you just do it outside. Yeah. You just look at your watch, and it tells you when to stop.
0: Yeah. Another another easy one that I like to recommend is slow start, fast finish workouts, which we kind of hinted on a little bit here. But if you split up the workout, if it's a if it's a four mile workout, you split it up into thirds. You'd run your first third at a very slow conversational pace. That middle third. More at the pace that we were talking about, kind of that the mm-hmm. drunk mile paces, but yep. that, you know, in this place is appropriate. And then the last third would be much harder. So, um, of course, not a sprint if it's a four mile, you're not going to do a mile and a half sprint, sure. but uh, at a much harder pace than you know. So, you're kind of working through the aerobic all the way to the anaerobic zone and you're kind of firing on all cylinders there,
1: right? I like that. And I think, I think it's good to have a few of these in your arsenal. And if, you're not, if it's not a particular race that you're training for, especially, and mm-hmm. you're just someone who goes out and runs every day or almost every day, and you want to just mix it up sometimes, that's definitely the way to do it.
0: So how about how about track workouts? If someone does want to do that, what's your favorite track workout?
1: It's been so long since I've done them that I don't have like in my mind fresh the ones that I really like. But I do remember a few of them uh, I'm going to kind of mess up. Exactly, the things which makes them very not useful for someone listening to this because <laughs> they can't do what I said. Um, but I, there was one that was just 10 400 meter repeats. Yeah. And I believe in between each one was a 400 meter jog. Yeah. So it was just go 400 meters, which is once, once around a standard track. Um, I forget what, you know, it, it, honestly, the pace that you're doing it is totally depends on what you are, you know, what your ability is as a runner. Mm-hmm. I mean, somewhere I think in the, 80 seconds range, 80 to 90 seconds. This is when I was trying to train yeah. the BQ, and you would do 10 of those things in, with with just light jogging in between them. And once you got back around the track, it'd be time to start again. This, those is, those this is a
0: good time to note that there are several different calculators that online that are free. We can post some in the show notes that um, where you where you plug in your your goal race time, and then it'll break it down what the distances or what pace you should be running at different distances. So if your goal race time for a 10K is 60 minutes, then it will break it down what your 400-meter time should be or your 800-meter and you know, okay. mile right. time.
1: Yeah, I've always wondered about those things. They don't – that won't – I mean that's going to tell you how many – how fast you should do 800 meters if that was your workout. But if it's a five-repeat workout, that's way different from a 10-repeat workout, right? Yeah. Like like, what you can kind no, of – No, I mean that's of,
0: true. But but if you're, if you're trying to stay around in that zone. Just then, in that zone. Yeah, yeah you know.
1: Another good one is uh, Yasso 800s, mm. which is interesting as a race prediction method. Uh, I think we tried to explain this on the podcast before, and it's always not that easy. Uh, if you're running, if your goal is to run a three hour and ten minute marathon, which is what I just say that because that was my Boston qualifying goal, uh, then if you could run three minute ten second, 800 meter intervals on the track, uh, in theory you should be able to do some amount of those, and, and that would kind of predict your. That would tell you that yes, you can do a three ten marathon if you can do these three minute 10 second 800s there was always confusion about how long you should rest in between them mm-hmm. should you be jogging or just walking or just not moving in the rest periods and how many of these yes or eight hundreds should you actually do right uh, so it I, aside from whether it's a good workout or race prediction method uh, I just enjoyed doing, doing the workout It was like 800 meters felt like to me that felt that feels like the perfect speed work interval distance for Mm -hmm. a marathon 400 just always feels like a little bit too sprinty for me uh i don't really know that much about you know how how it all works in in the body and whether that is really important for marathon training actually jason fitzgerald has kind of convinced me a little bit that that anything under 800 is is not all that important for marathons 800 and you know 800 to a mile is, is pretty good speed intervals um but that's that's one guy's opinion (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, that's it, a good workout, and this reminds me there is a post on No Athlete called Three Track Workouts Guaranteed to Kick Your Ass," I believe. Yeah. Where I actually use the word "ass," not like the oh, foam man. rolling for a holes post. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So More anyway, you old. can look at that one. I think that has probably has these two workouts I've mentioned in me and another.
0: Yeah. I uh, one one of my favorites. So I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the track at all in general. But um, what I but really because you don't hate... like
1: it or because you think it doesn't help.
0: No, because I don't like it. It definitely helps if you're trying to get faster, especially at a at a marathon or under. Then it helps enormously. You have to do it to mm-hmm. get faster. So I am a fan in the in that way, but I just hate doing them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I right. hate I hate suffering that much on going the speed, and I also just really hate running around circles mm-hmm. on a track. Um, and what makes it worse for me is if I'm doing say 10-800s, where it's just really repetitive. What so what I like, I, what I really like is a lot of workout where you're doing. Mm-hmm different distances uh, oftentimes you climb up. So you might start at a 400, maybe do two 400s two eight eight hundreds to 12 hundreds and a 16. And then you work your way back down. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the end, so you're kind of starting at this shorter distance sprint, and then you're building up to uh, the mile, which is obviously you're going to slow and pace to, to cover the mile. And then you work your way back down. You're having to end back on those, those shorter distance right. um, kind of spreads. And I like that. I think it mixes it up a bit. Um, and, you know, again, kind of works you a little bit differently than if you were just doing 800 repeats?
1: Yeah, I, I've done a few of those, like, with groups and things. I've never really done one on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have that same problem. I think this comes back to us being different types of runners. But I when I was, this is when I was just about ready to get to Boston, I, I started doing this Run Less, Run Faster program, which we mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, I actually wasn't doing the Run Less part because I found that I got injured when I tried that. So then I was like, I'm just going to put the easy runs back in it. Because Run Less, Run Faster, for those who don't know, takes out the easy runs, gives you keeps these three hard workouts per week, one, one speed workout, one tempo workout, and one long run tough workout, and then tells you in between them to do some other form of, of training, aerobic training. Uh, so like easy pace, cycling, or swimming are probably what most people do. And the idea is that you're staying off your feet, you're letting your running muscles completely recover, uh, lessening your chance of injury and all this, but but still working your aerobic system. Uh, it turned out not to work for me. I really missed those easy runs. I just found that I actually liked those and, and felt like, I don't know, in some way they were restorative or regenerative even if you're out there running. Uh, so I, you know, I don't know if that's true. If it's true that doing easy runs actually helps you to recover perhaps more than doing something else, people will fight all, all day about whether or not it does. Right. But anyway, um, I, was, I was following this program, and I was doing, the, doing all the easy runs, but also these three workouts per week, the speed workout, the tempo run, and the long run. And I had never before – if it had said tempo run before any other training program I had done, I would just go out on you know whatever trail or roads I was running typically and would just try to do a tempo run. But I got to the point with this Boston thing that I was just taking it so seriously that I said I want to make sure I'm hitting these workouts exactly. Because in that program, they'll tell you exactly what to hit. It would say – if it was the 400-meter workout, it would say – you know based on your race goal, it would say 10, 400 meters at – I don't know, 82 seconds each or whatever, right. whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So everything was down to the second. Tempo run would be you know, six miles at 7.17 pace or three miles at 6.52 pace. And I wanted to hit those really as close as I could, like within a second or two on, on the mile repeats. Yep. So I started doing them at the track for two reasons. One, that, that let me know exactly where I was and how far I was and if I was on pace for that so I could keep the pacing even. Uh, and two, it took any kind of hills out of the question. Mm -hmm. so then the variation of like you know this 800 meters was on a hill so maybe that one should have been a little bit slower than this other one that was on the flat Uh, i just eliminated all that so everything was flat and i did every single workout of that program except for the long runs of course because they were you you can't run 20 miles on a track very easily (laughs) Uh, but did them all like that and like really just looked at the lines on the track and looked at my watch and it was very very different type of running for me but I kind of got into the routine of it and just liked it, like that uncertainty of like what am I going to run today and all that. Like that was gone. It was just I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to the track and I'm running around it this many times mm-hmm. at this exact speed, and uh, I I enjoyed it. It's not it wasn't something I would sustain for a long time, but for one program, like just a really hard push to get to your fastest, that that worked really well to me. For me, yeah. I had to, I definitely did the, the the easy runs and the long runs on. This type of roads that the race would be on because yeah, I want so to keep I was the hills.
0: Say, I make sure you're you're doing at least some running. Yes, on. absolutely. Yeah.
1: You don't want to neglect hills if if your race is going to have hills in it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, speaking of hills, what do you think of hills? Do you think that they help build speed at all? <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> you know, I I think they do just from my own experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, running around Asheville, I, I found that I maintained my speed here pretty well, even once I had stopped doing all all those kind of workouts. I was just into ultra running, and was doing mostly all the t- – like what we said not to do, going out and doing the same run all the time, same pace, just get the miles in, whatever, whether it was 8 or 10 or 15. Uh, just get the distance in. And I don't know. I just – I found when I did do a few little time trial type things to see where I was, I found that I hadn't lost much fitness at all. And I think probably the hills had a lot to do with that because it's just kind of running on hills. Sure. I liked him for that. Of course, if your race is on hills, you've got to do it because you're, you're, the muscles won't be developed to, to handle the hills if if you don't train them, so that's really important. Um, if you're not racing on hills, do the hills matter? Are they beneficial? You know, I don't really know. I'm not sure about that. I mean, certainly it's going to give you a different type of workout. Right. You can build leg muscles and you know be better equipped to handle hills. I don't know. Do you think that matters a lot?
0: You know, if 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 it's a flat race, you probably don't need to train on hills. <laughs> I, I think that for me anyway, it's a more. Um comfortable workout yeah
1: because you don't have to go <laughs> fast to, to the
0: track and run really fast you know but but you, if you do if you do hill repeats where you're just sprinting up as hard as you can a short hill um you know that definitely builds a lot of that explosive power that you get from doing speed work on the track sure um mm-hmm. you know of course it it works you a little differently but it, it's definitely it, it still builds a lot of that that power um you know there's that saying speed work is or hill work over. is yeah. speed work in disguise, and I do think that that's that's true. So, you know, if, if maybe you don't want to go to the track, if you're just kind of flirting around with speed work and you don't want to go to the track every week or or more than once a week, then adding some some hill repeats at the end of your workout or
1: having your whole workout be based around hills um, is one way yeah. to do it. I think it's a good. I mean, I think if if you can work it in, I think it's not going to hurt you to be doing some of your training on hills. Mm-hmm. If your race is on a flat course. I think it's a good thing. I wouldn't say you want all your speed work to be done in the form of hill work, right? It's not no, it's not like not. hill work yeah. is your direct mm-hmm. substitute and that's all you have to do. Right. Um, Definitely not. So do – I mean if you can do it, do it all. Like it, it's. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think you got to make some choices. For me, the choice with those workouts was I'd rather know, know – for my confidence as well, know that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. right? And not having this question in my mind of like did I not – Run that mile in six twenty like I was supposed to because I had some hills in my run, mm. or is that a sign that I'm you know under trained and I'm gonna start falling off here right uh I like to have just removing all that uncertainty, but uh yeah, absolutely i mean I think I think you want to be doing some some hill stuff if you can, yeah cool <laughs> <laughs> good deal, okay, so uh, what else is there to say about getting faster? We haven't really touched on strength training uh it's something that so many runners seem to want to avoid and not. Do, but it's super important. It is important. It really is important. Uh, so, I've I've heard it said that if you look at the elites, the Kenyans, Ethiopians winning marathons, they're not really doing much stuff besides running. Running. Uh, it's not. That's not really a great argument that says that, that means that you and I and everyone listening to this shouldn't do mm-hmm. anything besides running, right? Because those people they are there for a reason. Their their genetics allow them to put in, you know, hundred. 30 mile per plus weeks and not get hurt. Uh there's genetics and a lot of training as well. But you know, this combination of those things that allows them to do things that most of us cannot do. So if you reach a point, let's, I don't know, let's say your max is 60 miles a week, and once you go over 60 miles a week, you start getting injured. Then you have more training time, possibly, that you can be doing other things. You could be doing cross-training with that time and not. Adding to your, you know, the amount of uh, stress that's happening on those running-specific muscles and joints and bones, um, or you can be doing other strength workout stuff. So, you know, just because elites don't do it isn't necessarily an argument that no one else should be doing it as well.
0: Right. And and some people, and myself, and notably, since we've mentioned him already, Jason Fitzgerald believe that that strength training is really especially core strength training is, is key to to that injury prevention even if you're not hitting your max mileage uh-huh. if you can keep that up on a regular basis um
1: yeah i think it does a lot i mean it also makes you more efficient as a runner right and as you said injury prevention is a huge factor uh mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i think if you can not even if you can you absolutely should be doing it. if you're trying to run your fastest marathon uh i think for 99 percent of people you should be doing some strength training as well yeah uh, and by the way, it's not that all elites don't do strength training. I'm sure there are plenty of them who do lots of it. Right. But you know, the argument often is stated that way, <laughs> that you know the Kenyans don't do it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, so like I think core workout is core work is the way to do it. You can do. I mean, there are, you know, deadlift, squats. If you can do that stuff without getting injured, then I think it, it can be great. Mm-hmm. The problem for me is that when someone's like when I mentioned when I was training for this qualifying for Boston and I was the the intensity of these workouts. Was so much that I would finish one and I would say, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this again in two days from now. Work this hard on this track again. Right. I'm just exhausted right now and I just you know know my body and I'm not, not going to recover. As it turned out, I kept recovering in time. And I, I tend to think that had a lot to do with the diet, which for me was new that I was doing a vegetarian diet then. Um, but had I been also doing intense stuff like squats and deadlifts, mm-hmm. I think it would have made it impossible for me to get that next workout done. Right. So – when that working out is going to come at the expense of training in some way or another, whether it's time or whether it's how, how recovered you are, mm-hmm. then I think it's not necessarily a good idea. Uh, and in that case, the core workout was a better alternative because I could do it. It was less intense. It didn't totally break down all these muscle fibers in my legs. It just you know got me repeating movements that help with running form, help with injury prevention. And I think it's a good thing. So when do you, Doug, recommend doing those in relation to workouts?
0: After the run. After the run, after right? The run, yeah, and it, you really—we're only talking about ten or fifteen minutes. If you can do ten or fifteen minutes after every run, that's ideal. Or maybe, maybe just three times a week or something like that. Um, and just doing a, a some sort of core routine that works a number of different exercises. You know, we're not talking about a ton of, of workouts. We're not saying you have to go to the gym and you have to do all this stuff. Um, just a little bit of a, a flow with through a few different exercises can go a long way.
1: Mm-hmm. And Jason has some stuff on his website. Uh, if you look up his standard core routine, strengthrunning.com, dot com standard standard core routine, you'll find like a little sample thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason to do it after runs is exactly what I said: that you don't want it to come at the expense of training in any way. Right. So if you do this hard stuff before your run, then you're not going to get in as good a workout, mm-hmm. as, you know, as the run. And we want the focus to be on running. Assuming that's your your reason for doing this. If your reason is general fitness, then that principle maybe isn't there anymore right maybe it's maybe you should be doing different exercises anyway uh but because we're talking about runners specifically who want to get faster you want that to be your number one priority mm-hmm. and that is also related to why you want to do it around your on your workout days not your off days because it just seems like after that you don't you want your off day to still be an off day right we want to have, give your body a chance to recover so rather than doing your your core workout on off days which would then create sort of something difficult every single day of the week it would make more sense to do it just after your difficult workouts, yep, on the track or wherever. Then right. go to your core stuff.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Those rest days should really be rest days and um, recovery days.
1: Yeah, that by the way uh, is something that I should mention. For me, was was the first uh, phase that I that I underwent in order to stop getting injured, where I only did easy runs. So I, mm. I instead of only doing runs that were this race pace kind of jug mile pace. I went to a phase where all I did was easy runs for a whole marathon training cycle. Wow! Uh, just did everything at below seventy percent, and that's what allowed me to run a marathon again. It took me four years to get that to happen because I mm. had all these injury problems. Uh, so, but just slowing down everything to that point allowed me to get a run, get, get a marathon completed. And then once I got that done, then I started this alternating idea of actually doing a tough workouts. So, I think if you've got time or patience, it's not a bad approach. If you're having if you're having trouble getting anywhere and you're always doing the same workout all the time. One option, and this is not that undif- not all that different from like what Rich Roll did with the Maffetone method stuff, right? Yeah, where you go for a few months of just doing easy stuff and never letting yourself get above this this threshold, and that for most people was around seventy percent of max heart rate. Cool. Good. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, I think that about covers it. That's all you need to get faster, right? That's it. Just There's follow our more instructions, and you'll be running. <laughs> yeah. You're running the Olympic trials in no time. Exactly. Uh, you've got a post coming up on nomine Athlete about this. I do. Uh,
0: not really about getting faster, but about different workouts, running workouts, and kind of the, the most common uh, themes that you would see in a training plan that you've probably seen that, that you can start introducing if you haven't seen them in your training plan. Uh, and that they just explain it a little bit better and give some examples of, of how you can implement those workouts. So that will be coming out pretty soon in the next few days or so. So check that out.
1: There you go. And You can refer all your coaching clients over to Nomiathy to check that out. In the there future. you go. That's right. <laughs> all right. Uh, so yeah. So do that. I mean, if you're, I think this this ob- anyone who's super advanced as a runner knows everything we've talked about. Uh, but I think if you're someone who's just not done that many running workouts or anything like that, uh, but you would like to get faster, we've talked about the ways to do it, the kind of the um, the how to do it, but then the what specifically do you actually do? That's what. Something like what you mentioned is—I mean, your your blog post. We've mentioned a few mm-hmm. examples of specific workouts, but you can find them. And it, it comes down to what training program you pick. Like, you pick a program, and it's going to specify your workouts for you uh, according to that author's philosophy. Whether you know whether they focus a lot on speed work or whether they never have you running anything less than a mile. Right. Which you know, and there's going to be different philosophies. So pick an author that you like, follow that plan. You know, for whatever your goal is and just. Do what it says, but if you're a brand new, I mean, if you're brand new to this idea of doing workouts other than just the basic race pace workout, then like Doug said at the beginning of this, just kind of fool around. You don't need to have a structured workout. Right. Do whatever it's going to take that you know that will that will get you over the hump of like. I guess it could be a little bit scary if you've only just done. Certainly scary right, yeah. to say yeah. like now I have to do a workout. Uh, you want that to be not intimidating, so you can literally go do the fartlek stuff and speed play. German or whatever language it may be, uh, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be a big intimidating thing.
0: And you know, it should be noted here that if if you only run at one speed basically your entire life, that running slow and running really fast is going to feel different, right? So having a little period there before you start doing repeats, four hundred mile or four hundred meter repeats, uh, to just kind of feel out the different paces and get to know them a little bit better, see what that feels like to run at a conversational pace or to run at a, at a faster pace is, is a good way to, it's a good thing to do, I'd say.
1: Definitely. And, and if you do have that fear of like, am I doing this right or not? Uh, one thing that you can be happy about is that if you have only done one speed of running pretty much all your life, then it's going to be really hard for you to screw this up, right? If you start <laughs> mixing up, mixing in more difficult workouts and doing, alternating them with really easy workouts, you're going to get faster. Like it, it's very hard for you to do that wrong. Uh, certainly at really high levels when you're trying to shave a few seconds off your marathon time or even just a few minutes off your marathon time, uh, then it's going to matter that you do, do exactly what your coach mm-hmm. or your plan says. But if you're not there, you have a lot of gains to make, and, and they'll come simply from doing anything. So I think not something to stress about. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, that is it. Don't forget, check out a atasteofhealth.org, Vegan Cruise. The price goes up after Friday, October 9th, which on the day we're recording this is tomorrow So check that out and mention No Athlete or Matt Frazier when you sign up. And don't forget, Runners World blog, No Athlete, code, or blog, Rock Creek Runner. (laughs) We'll be there a week from now. Love uh, to see you. Doing all the races. we will be fun. We would love to see you. Come say hi. And even if you don't uh, use our codes, please come say hi to us and uh, hang out. Yeah.
0: And I got kind of a cool thing i think we should share okay that uh last in the last episode we mentioned that sid is putting on a vegan ultramarathon yes and it was brought to our attention from a listener named anna (laughs) that she is the race director of another vegan ultramarathon on the east coast in pittsford massachusetts it's called the vegan power 50k and i think it's mid-june so if you're looking for a vegan ultramarathon definitely check out sid's out west or yes anna's Vegan power on the east and coast. We revise
1: our, our statement. Sids is the only West Coast vegan ultramarathon. There you go. <laughs> that we know And then of. someone will email us about that, and it'll be the only Mendocino there you go. ultramarathon that's vegan. Cool. Yes, but very cool. Vegan races are a good thing. Uh, I don't. Do I mean, these these vegan races don't exclude non-vegans? I think right. They just no. That's what they serve. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna start the only only vegan race. <laughs> you have to prove you have to have your, your yes V card. No, that doesn't work <laughs> yeah. yes virgin and <laughs> you have to bring two V cards to the race oh jeez here we go alright let's wrap it up <laughs> before it gets to that yep thanks for listening everyone alright take care